Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos, and I'm super excited for today's guest. We have Brett Trombley. You might know him. You might love him. But if you don't, he's the co-founder and CEO of Get Staffed Up. We're talking a little bit on the pre-chat. Brett has been coming up like wildfire. I started seeing him at some of these speaking events that we were on the same panels of. Got some mutual friends and just watching his story grow over the years has been fantastic, not only for his firm, but you know, Get Staffed Up, this company we're going to be talking about a little bit. Really, really impressive stuff happening in a super short span of time. And it's one of those things that we always talk about on the podcast. Two sides of the growth coin, you've got the bringing in more business, but actually fulfilling on this business. And the stuff that Brett helps with kind of does both. But I am super excited to talk with Brett and just uh, the expertise that he's brought in the last couple of years, because I know there's got to be something there if he's been growing as fast as he has. So thanks for coming on the podcast, Brett. Thanks, Jan. Super glad to be here, and I've been looking forward to it. So uh, I was I was flattered when you reached out, and uh, happy to be here. Awesome. So um, I wanted to get started. So it's kind of interesting. We think about stuff obviously uh, from hiring for our own business, but it's something we talk about clients a lot. And I do see a lot of people that have different philosophies on this. So my first question I want to ask is, what do you think people get wrong about general hiring philosophy, or what do you think are the the worst tropes that you see out in the the people side of growing a law firm? Okay. <laughs> Fun question. Number one, right? First of all, the mentality behind hiring, I think this is a sweeping generalization, but the younger you are, the less you may have this mentality, but people feel entitled to really great employees. And I don't believe that I was chosen to live a life where people are chosen to work for me and that people are put on earth to work for me. I, I certainly don't believe that. I don't believe people are, are put on this earth to work for us. So I don't think we're entitled, you know, like employers complain all the time, nobody wants to work anymore. And to some extent, that's very true. But it's the mentality behind, are you trying to earn great people? Are you trying to provide a good workplace? Are you compensating fairly? Do you have core values in place? Do you have a good firm culture? Are you the type of place that would make somebody want to stay around and like, you know, the other people that they work with? And I think that's before I started Get Staffed Up, you know, the quick story is I was working on another business called The Hiring Pros. Never launched, but I, I had the business plan down and I was going to help people, not just lawyers, but other, you know, just business people learn how to hire because I had heard so many people complain millennials this and millennials that. And this was, you know, about seven, eight years ago. And that was still kind of a pejorative, you know, I am a an older millennial, I really like calling myself that, though, because it makes me feel younger these days. But the idea is that you have to be better than other places to work. So the people that you want to work for you also want to work for you. And then the actual, you know, nuts and bolts of hiring people get wrong all the time. I think resumes are super overrated. And I think the interview process is done all wrong. And it's just a waste of time for the most part. So anybody can fudge a resume. Anybody can can make a resume look good and can spell everything correctly. And it's like, how does that make you stand out? You know, you, you just list a few accomplishments and I, that doesn't mean I want to work with you. It doesn't mean I'm going to like you. It doesn't really mean anything other than maybe you have the background, which would allow me to interview you. So 
when I was doing all the hiring and our get stopped up hiring process is based a lot off of all the systems and procedures and, you know, nearly like 20 step process that, that we put in place. I didn't even look at resumes until way, way late in the process. That was just kind of like the icing on the cake, you know, to, to make sure that the person who I liked and wanted to hire really had everything they needed to in place. And then interviews, the questions are poor. Like you're, you're not going to learn everything you can about the person during an interview. You know, like they're buttoned up, they're putting on their best face and we like ace an interview. How does the interview translate to what that person's actually going to do for you? And the best example I've ever heard that I, I talk about a lot is if you had a band, right? You're either the manager of the band or you're the lead singer, but you're in charge of the band and you need a new lead guitarist. Do you sit down applicants and ask them questions like, give me an example of one time you're at a concert and blah, 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 blah. Or do you hand them a guitar and say, play the guitar? Like that's how you choose your lead guitarist, right? Well, what is, why is it any different for how you choose your paralegal and how you, you choose your legal assistant and how you choose your marketing assistant and how you choose your intake coordinator? You want to see somebody perform in that position. So we should be doing tests and uh, anyway, that's a very long answer for the question you asked me. But yeah, people no, I, get, get a lot of this wrong. I love where you're going with this too, because I think like a lot of the counterintuitive stuff is some of the stuff that I find the most interesting. But like, I think there, there's kind of an issue with the industry. It's like, you know, you think about it, a lot of people went into law, not directly in pursuit of a credential, but, you know, everyone got a credential at some point. So kind of looking for those more formal ways to assess whether somebody has skills or not is I think a default that a lot of people like might not realize that they have or not. That's kind of speaking to the resumes. But yeah, I think that's, you know, it's totally as far as like the skills assessment. But again, it's like they don't teach. I was going to say it's like people always say you don't teach you that in law school. They don't even teach you that in business school. <laughs> like it's yeah. kind of a new process <laughs> right. on this. But like, okay, so if we're kind of looking at like new ways of uh, interviewing and that kind of thing, um, I'd love to go down that rabbit hole a little bit. Like if you're not looking for resumes, what kind of initial feedback are you getting to get people on interviews? Or do you just go straight to interviews? No, we no, we definitely don't. So one of the cool things I set up, and, and you can use this system for a you know a small business, which makes it neat, is you put out a job description or a job listing, and you put a bunch of stuff in there, right? Making the person read the whole thing. At the very end, you slide in. Here's how to apply. Send me an email, and in the subject line, spell your name backwards, and say. I am your next whatever. So like if I was hiring, I don't know, a, a marketing assistant and you were out there looking, you would literally have to put NAJ dash, I am your next marketing assistant. And if you, if you didn't do that correctly, your email was deleted and you were never considered. So what you're looking for is somebody who can pay attention to detail and who is thorough enough to read all the instructions. Because when you're hiring someone that you're trying to delegate things to and take off your plate, you don't want that person constantly coming back and asking you for help when you're like, I told you how to do this. I even wrote it down. I recorded a loom or whatever. However, you know, you're giving that person feedback, which is, I guess, a different story. But so that's a that's a cool little filter. So if you're going to get 50 applicants, why look through 50 resumes when you can cut that down to five or 10 people? And then out of those five or 10 people that do apply correctly, you send them a response. You still haven't looked at a resume or a cover letter, right? You send them a response that says, thank you so much for applying. You passed the first step. Here's a nine-step quiz. Please answer this within 48 hours. Hmm. And then on the quiz, right, you're sending them back just a PDF via email because that's in this scenario how they applied. And uh, you're essentially saying, you know, question number one, 
how do you feel about our firm's core values? So you want to make sure that they can look up your core values and then, you know, whatever. Number two, you'd say, give me, this is where, you know, some of them could be more generic, right? If you were a superhero, who would you be? Those are just some fun answers. You're trying to see a personality. In terms of, of somebody who's going to be on the phone, you would say, number three, call this number and leave a voicemail telling us why you should get the job. Or you would say, maybe like a marketing coordinator, because we, we had a lot of fun with this one, shoot a quick video and attach it to this email and tell us why you should get the job. So then we get to hear the person in the first scenario or see the person in the second scenario and get a great idea for their energy and their personality and their friendliness and their willingness to fight for the job, which you can never get from a resume. Mm -hmm. And those are the intangibles that I'm looking for when I'm hiring somebody because, you know, again, res resumes are just, you're not going to get that from, from a piece of paper. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I'll say this too, it's like kind of one of those things, I feel like people, at least I've made this mistake in the past, just like there's certain positions that are attention to detail. I probably had to follow up on like what I meant when I said a certain set of directions way more for, for not having made that assumption. Cause it's just one of those things that could make the whole rest of somebody's life easier. But um, yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. And kind of going on like contrarian points too. I was taking a look at your book before this in preparation for this interview, 24 months of freedom would highly recommend it guys. If, you, if you're watching it too. And I really liked the order that you presented in terms of what you recommend hiring first. So would you mind talking a little bit about what went into that and like kind of your uh, your thoughts on where people should go if they're starting out to like hire their first person if they're yeah. solo or something like that? Absolutely. And, and and my story that's in the book a little bit is it's not a super long book. It was really designed to be read cover to cover on a, a two, two and a half hour airplane ride. I was a true solo. I mean, I had zero help for the first two and a half years. And as soon as I hired my first assistant and I just gave them as much of the admin stuff as possible, even though she was a law student, she was probably wanted, you know, actually work. Um, I doubled my revenue and then I, and then I, I, I did it again. And, and, you know, that's where my success came from. All my growth has come through hiring every business plan at the end of the day comes back to like what you need and how to get there and then who to hire to help, help you get there. So, you know, sometimes I think people go crazy with business planning when they just need a hiring plan. There yeah, I definitely agree. And it's one of these things, like, I think there's a certain personality traits that lead somebody to be like more DIY. But you know, if you think about it, the time it takes to get these skill sets is just so inefficient. And you know, one of the points I love in your book is how little attorneys actually bill and how concrete the value of a billable hour is and how you can instantly get these doublings a lot of times too. And it's kind of funny too. This is something I'll, I'll kind of co-sign on a little bit too, because we get people applying for marketing stuff all the time from our ads. And I was really shocked when I saw the number. I was like, yeah, you know, like eight to 10,000 seems like a pretty standard thing for a solo. I'm like, you know what? When we ask about how much people are doing when they're responding to our ads, a lot of solos are right in that range too. So I think you you really yeah. nailed it. For, yeah. and, and I don't know if you got those stats from, um, like, I, I think I, I've seen similar stats coming out from Clio, but it's funny how these things bear out. And again, it's not because they're pulling these out of thin air. Like these are really, really real concerns that people have to have. But yeah, to your point, it's like that first hire, a lot of people ask themselves the question of like, where can I find the money? But it's like, it's all around you. You just have to get the person there and it's going to just be attracted <laughs> into your thing, not to get too yeah. about it. But yeah, it's like people have so much money lying around their business sometimes. Yeah, exactly. And, and like on your website, you guys make the point that's a lot of times you don't even need more cases. Mm -hmm. you, like you already have clients, you already have things you could be doing. Sorry, you don't need more leads, right? Like you mm -hmm. can, you can already either better convert the leads you're getting or just do more for your own clients. And so where I came up with the order is through my own experience. And 
we've got you know over a thousand people on our payroll between our own staff and our clients currently and and we work with over 500 law firms because most of the law firms end up getting you know multiple people through us and so taking that experience and everything i learned the first thing you have to get is an executive assistant because like i said you know a second ago I, I i double my firm and we've seen that time and time again if you just get from that one hour per day to two hours per day it's such kindergarten math well, i have a kindergartner right now and is literally kind of the stuff he's doing right it's just one plus one equals two it's that easy to double your law firm. It'll, it'll probably never quite be that easy again. And it's getting out of your own way and doing less. People think growth is about doing more, but it's often most of the time about doing less and just doing more of the things that you should be doing and a lot less of the $10 and $100 an hour tasks. So an executive assistant's a really great place to start with that. And in terms of you know the comment you made about not having enough money to hire, like where, where do you start? You don't have enough money to hire because you haven't hired already. And that's the paradox in our minds that I couldn't get over. I, I had this magical number. Like I had to get $20,000 in my operating account before I could hire somebody, which is so silly when you think about, I wasn't going to pay that person $20,000 annually. Like where did that number come from? We always make up these arbitrary rules for ourselves. You just need enough money to pay that person for one week. And that person will pay for themselves five times over almost immediately. So, you know, I, I will die on this hill. Like the, the, if you don't, if you don't have anybody, you got to hire somebody immediately just to get rid of all the stuff that's getting in your way that you don't even probably realize, or you're trying to avoid the realization of all the little things you're doing, preventing you from doing just a tad more legal work so that you can bring in a ton more revenue. Yeah. That's so true. And it's one of these things, you know, we see that a little bit on the marketing side too, but like, I think it, there's, you know, it's, it's funny. There's all these dumb rules of thumb that I've heard, like, you know, through the years, just like having business, like, oh, you gotta have a six months of salary or something like that. And just like, <laughs> or like, you know, good, like the ratios of this kind of thing. It's like, look, if you're trying to grow your law firm, I don't think you should be listening to your accountant, first of all, <laughs> just like one of those things. but also, yeah, it's, you know, as long as you're able, it's just like any, you know, bet or investment or financial decisions, if you're able to correctly frame the downside and protect yourself, it's like you're not signing a contract in blood that you have to have this person on your payroll until the sun explodes. And oftentimes, too, you could probably structure in a way that, you know, you can be able to cut bait on something that isn't a really, really good situation for you. But yeah, it's one of these things that continuously baffles me because like for one, like the one thing it's just like people are expecting to get more resources out of the least resources they're ever going to have, which is their own calendar that's probably stretched. Yeah. It's like, yeah. how are you supposed to do it? It's like, you're going to go charge on D-Day with like, you know, a sharpened toothbrush or <laughs> your bathing yeah. suit or something, right? Like but in, it never happens. And we we're like, oh, I'll work more on the weekends. I'll work more at night life gets in the way or you're just so miserable that you're, you're trying to get legal work done on a Sunday. It's just not sustainable. And, and that's, that's the frustrating part that, you know, for me, like I couldn't surpass that threshold of, of the, I was at nine or $10,000 per month. I, I just, I couldn't get past it and I couldn't figure out why, even though it's really, really obvious and simple in retrospect. Yeah. Well, I think it's important to have these kind of conversations too, because there's probably a lot of people out there that are like, yeah, you know, and I'm only really making like nine, ten thousand dollars a month, and like you don't want to say that at the bar organization. <laughs> you don't want to talk to your your, your friends, your wives about it, but yeah. it's so common. Yeah, no, it, it, that's such a good point. People don't want to be like, well, on the one hand, a lot of people go to the to 
those bar functions and they want to brag about, oh, I'm so exhausted and I'm working so hard, but they're not being honest with themselves and they're not being honest, you know, with each other about their actual, like, you know what, I'm doing really poorly. My law firm's not going well. I need help. Like nobody actually says that, you know, they, they kind of pretend like they have all the answers. So, and look, let me just make this one point because we didn't talk about it, but I'm also a lawyer, if that's not clear by now, with a law firm. I think we have 11 attorneys right now, about 35 people total. So when I say like I was here and I was doing that, if someone's listening that doesn't know my background, you know, that's important to mention. But I made this point recently at an event and then somebody raised their hand and asked me the same question, begging the same answer that I had just gone over. So I, like, I, I want to make this just so clear. The executive assistant, the, the first one you hire, you're going to just load that person up with things, but not in a negative way, not in a way that you're going to like, here, run my law firm for me. You're going you're gonna to sit down with this person virtually or otherwise, and you're going to say, all right, you're hired. I'm so glad you're on board. You know, we're starting whenever, but I, I got to just be very clear with you. I'm going to dump a lot of things on you, and you're going to act as the receptionist until we get one. My plan is three months from now to start hiring a receptionist to take that off your plate. And over time, we're going to take a bunch of things off your plate and you are going to grow with me and with the firm. And somebody, most people will accept that challenge and they'll be excited to team up with you and be a part of that challenge. Without that bit of communication, they're going to feel overwhelmed and kind of, you know, like, sabotage like wait i took this job and this person thinks i could do 30 things you need to acknowledge that you are giving this person a ton of work and it's going to be very hectic at first but that help is on the way and you want to grow with them so the you know in the book the second position that i recommend hiring is is your receptionist and the reason we don't really have time to go into the reason you know it's in the book but when you hire an outside reception company they don't get your name right. It's very clear to the, you know, your, your clients aren't dummies. It's very clear that it's a reception company. It makes you look Mickey Mouse, whether you want to admit it or not. No, it's not acceptable because firms that are, are bigger than a certain size, they, they have full-time, you know, receptionists. And when those people can't even, they don't know your schedule. Like imagine calling a doctor's office and you have that type of experience. Like you're, you're going somewhere else, right? But a reception company is better than you answering the phone because you, you imagine calling a doctor and the doctor answered the phone. You would be like, wow, I did it. You know, I found the worst doctor in the entire United States. Like, that's, I did it. So you have to take care of that first very important impression that your firm makes. Somebody who's very cheery, somebody who's welcoming, makes the person feel not like you're bothering them, but that, you know, you want their call. But again, circling back to, to making my point. Somebody's like, can I, after I said all that, they go, can I hire, you know, executive assistant and then give them other things like make them receptionist. And I'm like, yes, that's the point. You know, hire that first person and give them as much as possible. Your phones, we have just dozens and dozens of clients whose phones are answered through our get stuffed up staffers who, again, are full time with our clients, but they're our legal employee and, and we do the payroll and we, and we, you know, take care of all that other stuff. The phones are answered in other countries and nobody ever knows. And in order to work for us, you have to have one of the two highest English proficiencies. You have to pass a test going back to the recruiting process. So give your first person, overload them, tell them help was on the way, and then start growing. There's a reason it's 24 months to freedom, right? Everybody wants like seven minute abs and then six minute abs comes on. All of a sudden, you know, nobody wants. Sure, you can speed things up a little bit if you're really aggressive, but 
training takes time, getting the right people takes time, and you don't want to move too fast that you crash and burn. So the book is just running through the seven positions that you need to hire to get your firm to a position where you can kind of like lift your head above water and breathe and take time to do some assessments and say, where do I want to go from here? It's not 24 months to retirement or 24 months to yachts in the Maldives. It's 24 months to freedom to make decisions based on your own value and not based on, you know, scarcity and where's my next paycheck going to come from. Yeah. And I think it's really good from like the structure perspective too, because kind of going back to what you're going to tell that first hire about the reception is coming. If you have a plan for them, it allows you to set expectations, which I mean, you guys you know this all the time as far as dealing with your own clients. And it's also good for yourself too, because I think it also can be tough to kind of go out there without a plan. And then you see your payroll creeping up every month and you don't really know how to get out of it. But you know, I'll say this too, like, you know, as far as the general assistant, uh, the, the general assistant thing too, like, you know, that creating time is awesome. If you guys have been listening to this podcast for a while, you know how much I will rant and rave about the importance of the first impression and why you're an absolute fool to be investing in marketing without being able to handle that stuff in a timely matter. But like, those are two things that create money. And it's just one of these things too, like, you know, when you think about the people who have been stuck and like, we run into it all the time too. You can make this decision in an instant or you can take 20 years until it gets bad enough where you can't avoid it. But the money is around you. Like you just have to take the step and kind of see where it goes. I want to segue a little bit too, as far as getting the, you know, a really keen, motivated, skilled, enthusiastic. Let's talk about Latin America for a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. for a little context, we have a little bit of Latin American hires that we've made in case fuel for the last couple of years too. I've had a fantastic experience. I've had some less than fantastic experiences in some other countries, but let's like talk about how you ended up landing on Latin America and why you know you're recommending this for the hires you have moving forward. Yeah, I would love to. So we started out both in the Philippines and in Latin America from day one mm. because that's what everybody did, and that that's what we knew. And and you know we've been around since since 2018, so we were pre-pandemic, um, and it seems like in the last you know year year and a half. I don't know, like every, everybody is starting staffing companies, right? But you still see about 95% of them out of the Philippines, which is fine for certain things, right? The Tim Ferriss, four-hour work week, e-commerce, fill orders, press buttons. The Philippines is a good economy for those things because that's their edge. The weight, like 30% of their GDP is, is outsourcing. And so, you know, like they are very good order followers. But we just listened to the market and we were just paying attention to which, you know, our clients with people from the Philippines, our clients with people from Latin America, how long they stuck around, what the turnover was, how happy people were. And it was just jarring at the difference. And all of the like dynamic forward client facing people that were making our clients, you know, very happy. And, and early on, I mean, we, it was like, I never used to believe in that raving fans. And, and again, I own a law firm, so that's a, a hard thing to do. But now that I have a different business, not a law firm, it is possible. And, and people were just like going online. Oh my God, Get Stepped Up is great. We just, we've grown so much via word of mouth, especially in those early years. It was all Latin America. And, and we started saying, okay, well, the time zone's better. The culture is super aligned. Anytime we do an, an online, you know, on Zoom now, you can do, you, you can play almost like video board games. You can do escape rooms. You can play Jeopardy, all these things. Like pop culture wise, it's so much fun because American culture is their culture too. All yeah. the music, the, the movies, everything, you know, just so in alignment. And the education system and the English is probably the biggest thing, you know, is just really, really superior in Latin America. So 
all those reasons, we just took the feedback of our clients and then we made a decision and then we've been in Latin America and we had a stint in South Africa. South Africa is, was very good to us and our clients. The challenge there, look, neither here nor there for this podcast, but they've got major what's called load shedding, you know, power issues where they shut down oh. during the day and they have sort of rolling blackouts, which is really sad. So maybe we'll be back there someday, but those are the two areas that our clients have really loved. And you've experienced it too now, you just said, so that's very cool to hear. Yeah, it's, um, I gotta say like culturally too, like it's been some of the most enthusiastic people we've had. And the other thing too, is like we had a situation, so we have, uh, and again, I wouldn't say it's a call center, but we have some stuff that we can help out with some specific marketing, but we hired in the US. And I mean, I'll just throw some numbers out there. Like back in the day, like when we were, we were hiring people for, you know, whatever, 15, 20 bucks an hour, I felt like the worst guy in the world paying those wages. And if you're paying something yeah. a half or a third of that to a lot of places in South America, that's a king's ransom. So it's like, you know, supply and demand. If you're the person that can provide something, it's such a win-win. And like, I don't think the window is going to last forever. So it makes tons of sense to take advantage of it before these things equalize. But yeah, yeah. like it's it's great. And uh, I think the time zone thing is super important too, because it's like, you know, when we like, we'll have a couple, I mean, we've hired in the Philippines before. Um, it's, you know, there's cool things about waking up to having things done for those things. I think for customer yeah. service stuff, it's tough. But yeah, I mean, it's like, even if you could get somebody to work in your time zone, like, you got to realize what you're putting them up to kind of going full circle to where we began. It's like, you know, that's not a life that I'd sign up for. It's definitely not a life I'd want to like ask anyone else to sign up for, you know? Yeah, we I, I'm torn on that one, because we were very clear, hey, if you want to work with us, you got to work the graveyard shift when, when we were hiring out of the Philippines. And like, some people are very happy to, you know, it's not it's not like you pull the rug out from underneath someone and tell them they're going to work one thing and lie to them, right? Like you're actually being very honest with them. But deep down inside, you still feel a little bit bad. You're like, man, this person must be exhausted. You know, they got a life to live too. So I, I, the whole like, something's ready for you in the morning. If something's wrong, how do you give feedback? You know, like I, that's, uh, we, we never tried to have that model where somebody was working for you, but they weren't working during your hours. Yeah. Well, that actually gives me really good segues well too. So let's talk about training and feedback. So if you guys are, um, I'm just kind of curious. So general advice on how to train people as they come up. And I'm also be super curious about how you guys do that get stopped up. Yeah. So general advice is have a schedule. Like, like the first, and it doesn't have to be you. It depends on the size of your, of your firm. Because like we now have clients who have promoted their staffers that they have through us, you know, up through the ranks and who do all the training at their firm who are office managers, you know, who like there, there's no limit once they work for you on how, how much they can grow into the firm. So, but if it's just you at first, don't try to wing it and, and squeeze in training time. We're like, okay, now I'm ready. You know what? Let me, let me do some, some feedback and some training. Put it on your calendar. People, you mentioned the resource of our calendar, but your calendar is the greatest planning tool that we've, we've that's ever been invented. Block scheduling, you know, block it out. And then this, the first week, I've got an hour in the morning and an hour in the afternoon. And here are the 10 things that I'm going to get through in the first week. And then the second week, maybe it's half an hour each time. And the third week, half an hour only in the mornings. And then you come up with your regular, I don't know, plan for feedback. Record those sessions so that before they ask you, you know, they go back to the recording and just, you know, be fair, but be honest. And, and if you found somebody early on that you know is not going to work out, then cut bait sooner rather than later. You know, hire slow, fire fast. Everybody kind of knows that adage by now. All the details over at a train, 
you know, train you can, can be a good one. We've got a lot of clients use that or just the old fashioned, here's your five to seven repetitive tasks that we have in your job description. I'm going to teach you those things. And then once we get good at those things, you have capacity, I'll start adding other things onto your plate and just devise a system. You know, it's not like a lot of things aren't taught in law school. And like you mentioned, business school, but training can be very simple. You need to give your knowledge and tell someone how you want something done. Just plan it out and put it on the calendar. Yeah. I also give another shout out to the book too. Like the task descriptions that you put out for the different roles is super helpful too. Because if you don't know what else to do, it's always a good place to start. Yeah. But yeah, like, and it's it's one of those things too. Like I always tell people, you know, whenever you're investing anything else into what we do or, or like, you know, growing your firm in general, it's like you have to go through a period where you're working more before you're working less. Hopefully that can be as short as possible. But yeah, it's like you kind of have to go through this trough of less time and slash or less money before you're able to come out on the other end and get more of both. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I said that growth is about doing less, not more. But when you're training somebody, it can be tiring, right? But like there's, you can't shortcut that. Somebody's not going to just magically grab from your brain all the things that you want to teach them. And then we see people not put in the time and then get frustrated. It does take time to train. I get that. But it's so worth it on the back end. Get through a few weeks of training and just get some things off your plate. And then every week, more and more. Yeah. I'll say this. If you think it takes a lot of time to uh, train a good employee, wait until you didn't train them and they're a bad employee. <laughs> see how much that'll yeah. take. Yeah. I mean, right. And and turnover is really crushing, especially on a small business. And and not when you just hire someone, and you, you neglect them. What happens is we either don't want to delegate to that person because we know they're not good. So we do it ourselves. So what's the point? Or we let them do it and they mess things up, but we're, we're too busy to really give them the proper feedback. So we're kind of poisoning the pot on that person anyway. Then we're frustrated. They're frustrated. We see this a lot is somebody says, oh, that's not for me. And I'm like, what, what do you mean it's not for you? I tried that once. Okay. Where did you hire from? How did you train them? What kind of systems did you have in place? It's like riding a bike one time and you fall, which I think we all did our first time riding a bike. You know, you get up, you kick the bike and you're like, that's stupid bikes. Bikes are dumb. Mm. But yet every day you see people riding a bike from A to B and they're either getting somewhere they need or they're just having fun. But you swear bikes are not for you. It's like you just you got to get over that sort of mental roadblock of making more things up that don't exist. So, you know, it's like, you got the people on the one side pre-pandemic who didn't even know what virtual hiring was, right? And we had to do a lot of education and the pandemic hit and it was like, okay, our biggest objection just went away and the floodgates just, just opened, you know? But it is frustrating because you, you want to help everybody and really you want to help mentally. You want them to like read the book like, oh my gosh, I get that. Thank you so much. And, and it feels good for someone else to receive, you know, what you put out there and make a change in their life. But you do run into the people who are just dead set. I need someone in person. Okay, great. How many people do you need in person and why? And can you hire the rest virtually so that you don't crush yourself with overhead? Because when our overhead goes up just as much as our revenue, that's a tough feeling. It's like, what's the point? You know, I got to work all these extra hours just to pay people. And that's what happens when you hire domestically. Yeah, I mean, it kind of ends up with like the the tails wagging the dog. And it's kind of crazy just because like, the, you know, the defaults that you've seen in the industry for a super long time, it's like, okay, well, like, who's your first hire? You bring on an associate for like, what, 100k right now? Like, that's potentially four or five staff from like somewhere else, which is like incredible. Mm -hmm. And if you think about all the stuff that could be taken off your plate, and like, not only the stuff that's gonna be generating revenue, it's like, I think it's a no brainer. But 
I mean, I think it's also one of those things too, like, you know, people will find evidence to support whatever their theory is in a lot of ways too. And it's like, look, yeah. you know, if, if people are made up their mind, I think there's people who are solo on purpose and, you know, power to them. But I think there's some like mistaken stuff that kind of goes out there too. Like, I'm not going to name names, but a lot of people are talking about lifestyle stuff. And it's like, look, you know, if you can take a couple of weeks off to go hang out on the beach, but you know, you don't have money coming in. Like, I don't know how relaxing that's going to be, at least personally. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I understand the sentiment, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're, if you're on the beach and you're working, I don't think you're enjoying the beach. It just, every time you look up from your laptop, you see some water. Okay. Right. That that's nicer than staring at a wall, I guess. But I can go back to my early, you know, I, I had my, my, I got married, had a kid, had a mortgage my first year of owning my law firm. And so going home to see my mom with my family was like one of the most stressful things because the phones, you know, weren't being answered and money wasn't coming in. And I just had a pit in my stomach the entire time I was there. Because it's like, you know, there's like, there's a local pizza shop that I laughed one time, you know, there's like, we'll be back in three weeks, like that business just shut down. <laughs> and there's better ways to run your law firm. And you know, you mentioned hiring, hiring an associate for 100k, would you rather hire an associate and nobody else to do extra legal work, or for the same price, basically, like you said, hire about four to five people and do one more hour per day of legal work. Because again, that's going to represent about $10,000 per month, which is $120,000 per year, right? Like you, you, your first hire does not need to be that attorney. God bless you if you really have that much legal work, but it's nearly impossible when you don't have the other things in place to have that much legal work. Yeah. I think this is awesome. We've got full, like in terms of like going full circle too, like I think we're, we're winding up in a, in a good place where we began too. So I want to be respectful of your time, Brett. This has been a fantastic discussion. For people that are trying to get into your world, what's the best way to, to get deeper in? Sure. Thanks for asking, Jan. We put together a landing page just for you and your listeners. So if anybody, you know, whoever's on here, if you go to getstaffedup.com slash lawfirmgrowth-podcast, Lawfirm Growth One Word Dash Podcast. Uh, there's a landing page, and it has a link to the book for whoever's interested. And if anybody you know is looking at working with us, it has a, there's a discount little promo there. And uh, otherwise, there's lots of good resources on our website. So Lawfirm Growth Dash Podcast. All right, awesome, right? I feel like we could probably go for an hour or two. Like, I, I think, you know, just I want everyone who's listening to just kind of pay attention. It's like the intentionality that you have when you're building your process for your firm or the, the intentionality that you can kind of tell by listening to somebody like Brett talk about this stuff. There's a lot of thought that goes into it. I'm sure like, you know, more than a few missteps along the way, too, <laughs> like, you know, things you recommend against at yeah. this point. So save yourself the trouble. It's it's always worth looking into experts. And I would definitely recommend the book too. Um, super enjoying it myself. But um, yeah, uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Brad. Yeah, thanks for having me. I got to tell you, it's really refreshing when you are chatting with somebody and you have the same philosophy like we like we do like we do on intake, right? And yeah. uh, that that's pretty cool. So I know you're out there doing a great job and, and helping a lot of people as well. And I, I thank you for your time. Awesome. And for everybody else, I'll see you guys next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern on Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.